Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. I believe that God has a Word for us today. And I want to talk about the heart. The heart. The heart has to expand its capacity for the things of God. In the Christian's life, your heart has to continually be expanding. It needs to contain the things of God, and it needs to retain the things of God. So I, I just, I know that the heart receives a lot from a whole bunch of different sources. And there are times that it's being fed the Word of God, but it really can't retain it. It gets it in there, and then there's like a hole, and it just empties out. And we're believing here at Christian Ministries Church that the heart is not only going to receive and contain it, but it's going to retain it. That's what our belief is, because just Sunday morning, we've got some, some things that God's giving us and doing in our lives There are things he's doing as you're in his word on Monday morning, as you are enjoying your heart expansion, that you're seeing the fruits of that in your life. Today, I want to talk about heart expansion. We have a responsibility to keep the heart expanding. Now, one of the ways you do that is you keep your heart sober. Now, I'm going to get into this a little bit today. It's important. So many don't realize that they're literally drunk of heart. They're just drunk of heart. And that's how Satan comes in to their life in some capacity and takes advantage of them. It's all because of a drunk heart. So you've got to learn to have a sober heart with the things of God. We've got to look at the heart. We need to make sure that we understand the heart. Years ago, it became apparent to me that many have an understanding that is wrong about their heart. You, you know, you've heard this phrase probably your whole life. You, oh, ask Jesus into your heart. And I remember even as a kid, and some of you young people might be going, yeah, that is kind of weird because when you learn about the heart, it's the blood-pumping organ inside of you. And you're going to ask Jesus into your blood-pumping organ. We don't say we need to ask Jesus into our blood-pumping organ. That's weird. But we say, you're going to ask Jesus into your heart. Well, what does that mean? And we study here, and if you've been here any length of time, you know that we believe in in the Word. It speaks of us being three-part beings, body, soul, spirit. Some of y'all can just, you kind of like, okay, I know what he's getting ready to say, body, soul, and spirit. So where does the heart fit in there? You got the body, soul, and spirit. Where does... The heart fit in there. Let's talk about the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The issue in your life, the issues in your life can come from a guarded heart or can come from an unguarded heart. But I can tell you, Wherever you're at in life and the issues that you're facing every day are a result of a heart. Because if 
the heart being guarded or unguarded will make an effect and determine the course of your life, then we've got something to learn here. So much Jesus said in the word about the heart. Adultery comes out of our heart. Murder out of the heart. Stealing out of the heart. Sober hearts produce. See, blasphemy comes out of the heart. Jesus came to heal the broken hearted. Now, now all we know is, well, well I, my, my grandfather died of a heart attack, so maybe I'll get healed of my broken heart because he didn't. And we just only associate the heart at a young age as this blood, are, are you getting me, yeah. this blood pumping? But the Bible speaks of it way different than just an organ inside of you. And you have to understand what the Bible's talking about when he talks about the heart. And you have the ability to expand your heart. And people don't understand this. They don't realize that a lot of their issues in life are, are from or a result of a broken heart. It's not whole and it's not sober and it's not able to retain what you thought that it was containing. You get in church, and I'm telling you, there are times you hear a word from God. You maybe even get in your Bible on a Monday morning, and you hear it, and you're like, yeah, and you're ready to take on the world, and then before long, it's just like there was a hole in the bottom of it just fell out. All of a sudden, what happened? What happened? I thought things were going pretty good. I've been studying about this for a while, and over the last week, Hebrews 4, verse 12, is a verse I want to use today that's very, very important. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, the biblical definition can be found right here of the heart. The heart is the combination of soul and spirit. It's the combination of soul and spirit. And you might read that and go, well, I don't see that. Well, let's, let's dive in and know more about this. The Word of God is so sharp, so sharp, it's the only thing that will divide soul and spirit. It's the only thing that divides soul and spirit. It will discern what's in your soul and what is of your spirit. He is revealing here in this passage how sharp the Word of God is in our lives. When you become a disciple of Christ, and the Word of God becomes your guide for life, you'll start seeing the Word of God working in your heart working in your life, and you'll recognize that the Word starts discerning what's in your soul and in your spirit. You ever been convicted of something? I mean, as a Christian, you're like, oh, okay, conviction, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit revealing truth. And what the Holy Spirit does, he says, hey, 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 you're a Christian. Don't, Don't punch them in the face. I know that you're a Christian. Don't say that. Come on, you're a Christian. You need to quit thinking that. I know nobody else heard you think, but the Holy Spirit goes, I did. And all of a sudden, you start seeing that the Holy Spirit is discerning what's in your heart. 
And, and what you've got to know is there are things in your heart that as the Word of God comes in, it divides and you can tell the difference on whether that is a soul issue or a spirit issue. This is going to be really good. If I've confused you, you have to pay attention to get the rest of this message. When, when you become a disciple, the Word of God, see, you recognize and you discern what is in your soul and what is in your spirit. We've got a screen that's slide up on the screen, and I, I, I want you to see here that the sword of the Spirit comes right down into the middle of the heart. This is a great illustration here. And it, it divides and understands that it divides soul and spirit. And what I did is I just put over here on soul and over on spirit the things that you, I want you to see the difference in. See, as we look at this screen, you have to understand there are things in your spirit that are incorruptible. A part of your heart that has been born again. A part of your heart that is sealed by the Holy Spirit. A part that nothing bad can get in and nothing bad can come out of. But we have this thought that at times, every time the Bible refers to your heart, it's talking about your spirit man. And you didn't do anything to get to spirit man, right, except for except what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. And then he made everything right on your behalf. So a part of it, we have to understand that is sealed by the Holy Spirit is not in need of help. It's, it's already got all the help it needs. Jesus did that. But then you go to the soul man. And you have to understand that the soul man is not what the spirit man is. And, and if the spirit man is sealed and you have your word in your spirit and it's righteous and it's holy and it will always be righteous and holy because once you are born again, the Bible says you're sealed to the day of redemption. Everywhere you see in the Bible the word heart, many are taught that it's not talking about the spirit man, it's talking about the soul man. Because if Jesus came to heal the broken heart, you can know that he came only to heal the spirit man because the spirit man is what needs to be made right. No. He came to also heal the soul man. Yeah. Yeah. The soul side of the heart. Jesus came to make that right. And that the soul was going to be divided yeah. from the spirit and the sword of the spirit, the word of God, is the only thing that will divide it. Okay, I'm just spending some time here, and I know you're reading all about that. Because it's important. You have the word in your spirit and it's righteous and holy. Jesus is the word. John talks about this, John chapter 1. I mean, it just, in, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, the word was with God, the word. Jesus is the word. You just read all through it. The light came. Nothing can just. There's so much there, but you have to know that Jesus and his word are inseparable. And so the reason why you need the word in your heart is to make you not separable. I don't want to separate. And we get caught up on, well, can you lose your salvation? Well, which part of it are you talking about? If your spirit, man, is as right as it will ever be, let me move on. I'll get into more of this. I believe that we have been taught and I was taught from a very early age that anytime you see the word heart in Scripture, you can just interchange it with spirit, and I want you to know that is incorrect. Yeah. And it's also correct. 
when you see the word hard, it can be talking about soul or spirit. And what we've got a job to do is to make sure they're both incorruptible based on the word of God. Okay, so I, I didn't have that written like that, but that was just God saying that's the way it is. I mean, that just kind of is right. God's word is so powerful and alive, it pierces and divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and intents. Okay, so let's put the slide back up. The soul side of the heart, joints. What do joints do? They connect things. Joints connect things. So on the soul side of the heart, you have joints in there. And I mean, the Bible speaks about that. Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and intents. Also on the soul side, you have your thoughts, your mind, your will, your emotions. They can be carnal or they can be spiritual. It, the joint that you're connecting it to will determine which one it is. You have thoughts, you have intents. There are times that your intent on something, well, is that is what your intent on doing coming from carnal or is it coming from spirit? The soul connects all that. The spirit, marrow, intent, produces blood, produces life, your spirit born again, forever sealed, the intent always knows and is willing to do the right thing. Your spirit man knows. Spirit man has the mind of Christ. Spirit man is united to Christ. And life comes from the spirit. Life comes through the soul and it comes from the spirit. Well, this is, this, this is all the heart. And so no wonder we confuse this. We're body, soul, and spirit. Where's the heart fit in? Yes. It's a blood-pumping organ. It right here is divided, soul and spirit. It's who we are. So the sword, the Word of God, divides everything correctly because you can know in your mind what God said and you can know what God said in your spirit because your spirit is connected to God because of Jesus. And you can know in your soul what the Word of God says, but you know what? You cannot do it. You can know it and not do it. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but ask yourself this question. Have I ever known it and not done it? Every one of us have. First Peter chapter 3, Peter was talking about not just being concerned of what you wear on the outside, but let's get concerned of what's on the inside. First Peter chapter 3, verse 4, rather let it be hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. There is a hidden person of the heart. Isn't that cool? You ask Jesus to come into your heart. He's the hidden person in your heart. I mean, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. It didn't say gentle and quiet soul. Gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Aren't you glad that you have a heart that's precious in the sight of God? I'm glad because sometimes I think, boy, my heart's just all messed up, and I would be right in that, but there's a part of my heart that's just right because it has a hidden person in it. So the soul, 
What is that? What is that? And when we start thinking about this, what is the soul? Heart. We have to understand soul and spirit. We have to understand soul. What is the soul? What is the spirit? What part of that is divided? How is it divided? And the strong concordance gives a great definition. I believe it's number 2588 in the strong. It's a really cool definition. Here's what it says in the strong as a definition of the heart. It says thoughts and feelings and the middle. That's kind of confusing, but it's really cool. In the Greek, the heart is considered the, the center of all human life and human action. The heart's the center. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Don't lose heart. The outward man, the body is on a continual decay, but the inward man, the center, the mental, the thoughts, the feelings, all of that are being renewed day by day. Well, I thought we were right in our spirit. Yeah, it's talking about your soul, man. It's being renewed every day. The the inward man is being renewed. Outward man is perishing. Inward man is being renewed. So the soul is the middle of body and spirit. Okay, this is really cool. The body is the natural world, what you're dealing with. The spirit is dealing with the spirit world. And we don't mess with our spirit. What we do is, is we accept Jesus and our spirit man is right forever. And then we're told that we got our ticket to heaven, so now go out and try to live in your body and look forward to heaven. And we don't talk about the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. We just talk about living in a fallen world and looking forward to that one day in the sweet by and by when everything's great because this body is perishing. Well, what I'm here to tell you is you can renew your soul every day. Here's, here's what happens. In the physical world, your body is running on this line. And then there's another part of your being, your spirit, man, that's running on this line. And they're parallel to each other. I don't know if you've studied the word parallel when you were in high school or math or any, but parallel means they will never intersect. They're always going to be different ways. So life is a parallel life. You've got a body life and you've got a spirit life. And you are, there's a course. Your spirit life here, your body here, and your soul is in between making the joint. I wanted to come up with a graphic, but I just thought that's the easier way. You got a parallel and then there's a joint. And that's your soul. The question is, Which course is your soul gaining life from? The Word of God has already split the two, and we got a bunch of people that their spirit saved, but their soul is drunk. It's messed up. It's not thinking right, and everybody knows someone like that. Your spirit feeds on the Word. Why? Because Jesus is the hidden man, per se, in your heart. You sow the word 
in your heart, you hear that. I mean, so many scriptures that are just coming to mind. But the parallel or the parable of sowing the word, sowing the seed, and the seed's the word. Sowing the seed. What is it sown in? It's sown in the heart. What part of the heart? The soul. The part that needs renewed every day. If Jesus already took care of the spirit, your soul will contain the joint, and you better make sure it's taken care of so that it allows, when it connects to the natural world, to bring the spirit world there. The Christian life. The God kind of life. The Bible calls it the zoe. It's the zoe. It's the God kind of life. It comes from your spirit, man. And if you're not experiencing the God kind of life, you've got to learn how to get that soul accessing, being a joint to the right connection. It's in you, and if you don't know Jesus, let's, let's get saved. But I think I'm talking to a bunch of saved people today. You've got to learn from the heart. You've got to learn from the word. When Jesus said adultery comes from the heart, I'm here to tell you it doesn't come from your spirit. Adultery does not come from your spirit. It comes from the side of your heart that's not renewed. When Jesus said that, we have to understand he wasn't messed up. So how do we deal with the heart that is messed up when it's broken, when it's torn, when it's hurt? It's messed up. We need to know the part of your heart that will increase and expand is the soul, not the spirit. This is good. The soul part's what's leaking. The soul part is what's torn. The soul part has a hole in it, and I'm like, i got to get this thing repaired so that I can get it to expand, and as it expands, I can not just contain, but I can retain everything that God has called me to have in life. Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts... Be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day, come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. That means no one's exempt from it. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Church, you need to understand this today. Your heart can be weighed down. Your heart can be weighed down. Well, how does that happen? It comes from carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. I'd read this my whole life and thought, okay, I know a bunch of people that carouse and that get drunk and that are weighed down by everything going on in life. And that's not what I'm talking about today, but it is what I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about it the way we've always thought about it. I want to give you a different understanding. Our heart is overcharged, it says in the King James Version. In, in, in the New King James, it says it's weighed down. Everyone has troubles in this life. I know you look at some people and you go, man, they just never have any trouble. Well, I, I'm just here to tell you they do. You just see them on a course that trouble's not affecting them. Oftentimes when you see someone that's just in a lot of trouble, every time you talk, boy, just in trouble. The problem is, is they're on course for a different life than Zoe. Our hearts overcharge. Things weighing us down. The Bible says the rain falls on the just 
and the unjust. That means nobody is exempt from trouble. Boy, it's an encouraging message. Your heart will determine whether you stand or fall when a bad day comes, when a bad season comes. Your heart will determine. We start thinking we're the only ones that go through these troubles, and, and we're not. They're just not all the same trouble, but they're all trouble. Your heart makes the determination. And you need to understand, your heart was not built to carry worry. Your heart wasn't built to carry anxiety, stress, vain imaginations. And and we've got to talk about these three, carousing. Let's start with number one, carousing. Carousing, what does that mean? Some say, uh, some interpretation or or translation of the Bible say dissipation. The King James Version says surfeiting. And it's not talking about going to the ocean and surfeiting. But (laughs) surfeiting. Let me give you another word for it. When you look that up in Bible dictionaries, it's called overindulgence. Overindulgence is what this word means. In the natural, it's when you talk about an appetite, you have an overindulgence that takes place. And, and what I'm telling you, food is good, and you don't need as much of it as you're overindulging in. So we just keep going and keep going. It becomes bad for you. It weighs you down. Carousing or surfeiting in the King James is taking something and then going too far with it. It's, it's an addictive behavior, if you will. It's I can't put it down. I just keep going and going and going. And carousing will cause you problems. Overindulgence in hobbies will cause you problems. Fishing is fun. Fishing every night and every day and never giving any time to the things God told you to is overindulgence. That's surfeiting. Are you getting that? There's carousing. There, it's just too much. You can overindulge in the news. See, overindulgence, that's carousing. Well, I've never looked at it like that. Well, you need to hear what I'm saying. Because it's very important to understand that too much news will get you into a position where your mind, your soul man, has got a hole in it. Ah, what are we going to do now? I mean, the, the whole world's coming to an end. Well, you're right. But praise God, the whole world's coming to an end. But we get on the negative side real quick because we get a hole in our heart because we overindulge. Are you seeing what carousing is? It starts making sense. And and I just want to make sure we're getting this. The Bible says right here that you have to take heed. You have to be aware. You've got to take heed. You've got to know that it's your responsibility to know that this is happening. In Luke 21, it's important to know that the Bible says take heed. Be aware. Take notice. It's your responsibility. Get up and turn that TV off. Get in the Word of God. Get into something different. Set that plate aside. Let's talk about something different. Do something different than overindulgence. See, we overindulge in things, and it takes our mind to places that it doesn't need to be. Are, are you getting this? Number two, drunkenness. Now, he's not talking about drunkenness after the flesh. He's talking about the heart being drunk. The heart can get drunk. And it will overcharge your heart or it will weigh it down. People are drunk on the past. Here's the past in their little cup and they sip it and say, I can't believe they did that to me. It can even be some experience in church. It can be an experience with somebody that was you thought was godly. And you just, I'm, I'm getting drunk on it right now. I'm just... More and more and more. See, I'm drunk on the past. I mean, and, and what it is, it's, it's revealing an area of your heart that's not in good shape. 
I, it was 20 years ago that that happened to you, but you, you're living like it was yesterday. You're drunk in your heart, overcharging your heart. You know, God is so good, even with a giant hole in your heart, he still pours his spirit in you. He still pours himself into you. He pours his, his life into you, but it's going right through you. You come to church on Sunday, but you're drunk, and you're just sipping on everything that's going on in life, and you're not retaining anything because there's a hole. And you think it's contained because it's kind of a slow hole, but boy, it all drips out by the time we get to work on Monday morning. People drunk on disappointment, they sit around and drink the bottle of the heart. I can't believe that didn't work out for me. I can't believe so-and-so did that to me. I just can't believe what was posted. I can't believe they defriended me. Sober up. Sober up. People are in a drunken stupor on past hurts, past sin, because they don't have a sober heart. They're drunk on relationships that have fallen apart. People are so drunk in their heart, they can't keep anything of God in it. Boy, I know somebody's hearing me today. Satan is easily robbing those that are drunk in the heart. He's stealing from them, and I'm going to get more on that here in a second. Number three, cares of this world. Cares, let me give you another word, worry, anxiety, fear. We have not learn to take heed to ourselves. And this pandemic that we've gone through the last few years is a great indication of that. Fear, anxiety, worry. I'm, I'm talking about a pandemic proved that our heart is heavy on the cares of this world. Many feared, many lived in anxiety, and they were drunk on that fear. Some people, let me let me. So they were drunk on their care. You don't care for anybody else. If you're not getting a shot, you don't care for any. If you're not wearing a mask, you don't care about. They were drunk on care. Yeah. So I, I don't understand where people get this, but we need to get to a place where we're sober-minded and we think correctly. Let me give you three conditions of a drunk. You've got all three of these, and they all go right along with it. And it's what I'm trying to understand in, in my life when my mind gets clouded. Just this week, I was telling Chapman, I feel like going and buying a bottle of Tums. And I thought, whoa, where is that coming from? This life is not my course. My spirit, man, is my course for life. And I went, and I thought, I'm going to get this turned around. This is not right. I mean, it just came on me all of a sudden because everybody has that day. And when that day comes, you've got to know what to do to make sure that heart doesn't get drunk and live there and take over. There are three conditions in my life. I've seen so much drunkenness, and I I don't even want to get into a bunch of personal testimonies of who and where, but I'm just telling you, growing up, I saw a lot of people that would be drunk And I saw the effect that it had on them and other people. And it really affects everyone. The thing is, it affects everyone different. I've seen people get drunk and they're happy as could be. And they're never happy. Come on, some of y'all, I know you're all holy and praise God for you. You've never seen that. But I've seen it. 
And I, I, I can tell you, I saw it affect people, and sometimes I'd see it affect them in such a way that this has got to be good for you. This has got to be fun for you. And then I'd see people drunk, and they were usually pretty cool, and then they go the opposite way. But what I'm telling you, drunkenness affects people different, but it does still affect everyone. And what I can tell you is if it is appearing that it affects you in a positive way, it won't end that way. And I I want, you know, I'm not talking just about alcoholism and our bodies being drunk today, but I want you to know these conditions. See, you need to know what the scripture is talking about here. People are given to a drunken stupor because we don't understand drunk beyond a physical understanding. Every time you hear the word, you only think of it physically. People are drunk on things in life. The junk of life is like alcohol. And we get addicted to the drama. There's a word for you. We get addicted to what so-and-so is going to say about this. What's getting ready to happen here? This is going to explode. People are drunk on the things of life, and they're addicted to more and more and more. And it's just creating a hole in their heart. It's not allowing them to contain or retain the things of God. There's no heart expansion here. And we don't understand it. We don't understand pain in your life comes from a drunkenness in your soul, man. Now, let's, let's talk about conditions of a drunk. Number one, disoriented or confused. Disoriented or confused. Your heart gets drunk and you're confused. Now, you can compare all these to physical drunkenness that you've probably seen in your life, but I'm talking about the heart. Number two, poor judgment. Conditions of a drunk, they have poor judgment. They lose all discernment. They lose their inhibitions. They make bad choices. Physically, you get drunk and do something you would never normally do. Same things when you're drunk in your heart. See, you're not doing it God's way, and you're like, why did I do that? I know better. The spirit man wasn't overriding because you were not allowing the sword of the Spirit. Wow. Wow. See, you're just empty. And you're drunk. And you're like, what am I doing? I just didn't even, I didn't, I didn't mean to do, I didn't mean to say that. Poor judgment. Liquid courage is not the same as the Holy Ghost. See, but it's like you don't argue with anyone normally. But when you're drunk, you do, you do. Just all of a sudden, yeah, there's not arguments with anybody in your life, but your spouse can say one word, and I mean, blah, 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 blah. where did that come from? I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy, and I just did that to my spouse. Where did drunken stupor, wow. poor judgment, wow. it comes. Say or do what you wouldn't have done until drunk. Number three, you become vulnerable. When you are sober, you wouldn't do what you have done. See, when you are drunk, you start doing something that you never in a million years would have begun or would have done. You know anybody who is subtle about things? They're just kind of subtle, but they have an agenda. They're subtle about it, but you know there's something going on. That would be the enemy, Satan. He's subtle about some things, but here's what he knows. I can't whip a Holy Ghost filled, a no hole in the heart, sober Christian 
I can't whoop him. So he just slowly said, here, take a drink of your past. Here, take a drink of what someone said. Here, take a little drink. If I can get him drunk, if I can get him drunk in, in soul, get him in this drunken stupor, I can get him vulnerable. If you get someone drunk, you can take them. Since I've already mentioned Drew Bertolio being here today, I'll just use him again. He's a bigger boy than some. And I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this. And I have talked to Rick enough to know that in homes with a dad and a son, there's wrestling that goes on for a season. But there's a time in all wise men's life where they, they sober up and they quit that. And it comes when your son can get real close. We never say anything to him. So I'm not going to say anything that Rick said, but what I, I'll just use myself as the illustration. I am just telling you that as long as he's sober-minded, I'm not going to mess with him. But if I did, I'd just suddenly say, here, take a little bit of this. Take a bit. And if I can get him drunk, and I probably can get him vulnerable, and I bet I could whoop him. You're more prone to take over something from somebody who's not in the right place. The enemy knows that. And if he can get you drunk, he can get you drunk in stupor and get you mad about something, frustrated about something, he can get you out of church like that. He can get your mind drunk and in a stupor. He can get you away of godly people. He can get you out of a daily time in the Word. I'm just telling you, he leaves that hole in your heart. Let's just go ahead and read the Word every day. Right down through it, and it's just a hole in your heart. You're sunk. You go right out, and you're like, why am I acting like this? Because you're in a drunken, are you getting this? This is what happens. And you've got to know you have all of heaven's army behind you when you are sober of mind. But you have no idea how to access any of that when you're in a drunken stupor. When you're spiritually drunk. Hmm. Let me change that and say when your soul is drunk. Because your spirit, man, is as right as it will ever be. First Peter chapter 5, I'm about to end. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Church, what you need to know is when God is exalting you, the devil is under your feet. When God is exalting you, the devil is under your feet. And you need to be exalted in your soul. You need to be expanding your heart. You need to be working on that area of your life. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober. Everybody say sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking who he may devour. He's like a roaring liar, lion. He's not a roaring lion. That's not, he's like one, and he acts like one. And you know the only one who give him any time and credit are those who are drunk. Wow. 
when they're not when they're carousing, they're overindulging in something, and it's you can't overindulge in the word. But you're overindulging in something, and it's got all your time, it's got all your attention, it's got all your cares. You're overindulging. All you can think about is the way you were treated. All you can think about is what they said. All you can think about is the way that things are being done that are different than the way you would do it. You're not even having to care about what God would do. You just want it to go your, see, overindulging. And what happens is before long is you find yourself in a drunken stupor and you can't even think right. And the next thing you know, the, the devil not just like a roaring lion. He is one. And your whole life's in turmoil and I don't know what to do. You cannot be vigilant and watching if you're not sober. I'm not talking about just being drunk on liquid. That's not what I'm talking about. Although this particular word in the Greek, Greek can be applied to that also. So don't do that either. But it also applies, it applies to your mind. Your mind's a part of your soul. Your soul is part of your heart. Jesus said, don't overcharge, don't weigh down with drunkenness your heart. Your soul, man, resist him. Verse 9 says, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There's other people, you're not the only one that's ever gone through this. Praise God. We've got to learn to keep a sober heart. Learn the conditions of drunkenness, so many decisions on a daily basis that we all need to make for the kingdom of God. Come on, with our family, with our life, with our finances, with our church, just in life, there's a decision every day, and you're like, I don't know what to do. Sober up. You're acting like you're in a drunken stupor. Your heart's messed up. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not going to live there. I'm going to let God do some surgery real quick. We're going to get this heart fixed. And I'm not living drunk no more. I'm sobering up. So many times, I'll be first to tell you in my life, and I've got several of them I can look back on, I found myself with a drunken heart. And you might go, Pastor, this is probably not something we all need to hear. No, we all need to hear it because we've all found ourselves there. And I'm not talking about based on liquid. I'm talking about based on experience, experiences, Life, people. I, I've been helped so many times. I got to tell you, I've been slapped in the face a hundred times by Tim Brooks. Sober up. Praise God, it was just on the phone. It didn't hurt quite as bad. <laughs> Please, no one slap anybody today. But we ought to be helping people sober up. We ought to be helping them. Several years ago, Michelle and I, I won't talk about her drunkenness of heart, but I'll talk about mine. I know we both felt everything around us was crashing. We, we couldn't catch our breath. It's like I was so disoriented, I didn't know where to go, what to do. I just was ready to throw in the towel. I thought, okay, God, I probably missed you. And I was talking to him. How can people treat my wife and I liked, I don't understand. All I'm trying to do is help. And I, I was just sharing the truth. Now, maybe I didn't do it with as much love as I, whatever the case. And I'm sitting here going, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I'm talking to him. And it's like I was talking to a wall. And I'm doing all the talking. At the time, I didn't realize it. And doing none of the listening. I put myself in a vulnerable situation. 
I wasn't letting the word of God rightly divide me. I was trying to figure this all out on my own. And I was blaming everybody else for my drunkenness. So you can sit here and go, why would people have treated you that way? People are people. You're going to be treated wrong. Life's going to be done. Things are going to be done to you. It's going to be done by people who are the closest to you. And my wife and I thought, well, maybe, maybe we missed it. Maybe this church doesn't need to be here. This building wasn't even here. We, we didn't know anything. We just were, God, what? I mean, we were in, and I can look back now and see that it was a drunken stupor. And I, I called Tim, and he said, welcome to being a pastor. Well, give me another sip. <laughs> no, I, I just, I didn't realize what he was saying. I needed to hear, but I told him, he said, wake up. That, what do you think Jesus felt on the cross? Mentally, who, who was doing anything there? They're all, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but I'm just saying if we're going to have the mind of Christ, you got to have the mind when you have the right heart and the right intention, and next thing you know, you're in a drunken stupor, and your soul, that's supposed to be the joint to the right direction, is out of joint. I'd love to have been getting all of my life from the marrow, but I just had a hole in my heart, and I was drunk. And it was not expanding. It was contracting. It was trying to get going. I couldn't get. Michelle and I got in our camper and we headed to Sulphur, Oklahoma. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And if I bring myself mentally to there, it's quite emotional. I mean, I have thought about that a couple times this week of just how the Spirit ministered to our lives. But we go and see Jerry and Dina Limley, Faith Center Church of Sulphur, Oklahoma. And we went and got in a campground and just said, Jerry, any time you all have for us, we'll, we'll take it. And they just dropped everything on their schedule and gave us two or three days, hung out with them. And what they said, and I, I needed to hear to help prepare my heart. What they did, I needed to receive to help repair my heart. And you know, I, I, I've heard people talk about this, but they, I, people being so drunk and then all of a sudden this realization, they just come out of it and they're just all of a sudden sober. I can take you right to the place in their living room and they were praying over Michelle and I. And they were praying the word of God over us. And as they were doing that and living out and acting the word of God, I can take you right to the place where all of a sudden like I just got slapped no Jerry didn't slap me but I got slapped into a sober heart and all of a sudden I realized I've just been drunk and didn't even know it I have been so caught up on looking at every circumstance of life and letting that cloud my mind and my thinking that the enemy almost took us out I've watched pastor after pastor get drunk, a drunken stupor in their heart, and it take them out. And you know, just the revelation that you're drunk doesn't get you undrunk. What gets you undrunk is putting something different in there. And you got to start putting the right thing in your heart 
and the sword of the Spirit needs to divide it correctly and get your joints all back in working order. I'll just never forget. There are times that we've got to sober up. Jesus is Lord in a sober heart. But I can tell you, you're not allowing him to be Lord when your heart's drunk. Times in life, and maybe today's that time, you need to take a breathalyzer. Some of y'all need to put it not just in your car, but right beside your bed when you get up in the morning. Some of you need to go to bed and take it right before you go to bed so that you put the right things in your heart before you go to sleep. But you need to take a breathalyzer and you need to realize, am I drunk right now in my heart? Okay, what do I need to do? I need to start quoting scripture. I love that my wife puts little scripture verses everywhere. She don't know it, but I read them. Well, now she does. But when she starts putting scripture verses around, I know she's making sure she don't get drunk. See, that's where I've got to live, and I can't let Tums lead my life. I've got to get to a place where, wait, I serve a God of more than enough. And it's not just more than enough for my brother's troubles. It's more than enough for mine. Because everywhere you're going to have troubles. But the Bible says, take heart. I've overcome the world. Are we going to live like that? Or are we going to live like we're in a drunken stupor? Did y'all get anything out of that today? Y'all stand with me today. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.